The Christian world needs more spirit-filled teaching. So often we have fiery preaching without substance or doctrine without life. But we seek to join the two. We seek to bring theology on fire. This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leah Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. Why didn't God stop that bad thing from happening? It's a good question, and I don't judge you for asking it. I know I've asked it myself. I know there have been times in my life where I've just wondered, why? Why this? Why this way? Why did that happen? Why did it have to happen that way? And if you haven't already asked that question in your lifetime, I'm quite sure at some point you will. (laughs) That is a part of life, difficulty and heartbreak that happens in life. I don't think anybody avoids this reality. And um, moving into this topic, I know it's a sensitive topic, but I think it's something that pertains to all of us. And the first thing I would want to address about it would be, do you really care to know? I'm not sure what brought you to this episode. I don't know if, you know, you're just listening to see what we would have to say, or if you really do wonder, why does God not stop bad things from happening? Why does he allow such things? Why are things the way they are? Why did this happen to me in my life or to my friend in their life, etc.? Do you really want to know? Do you really care to understand why things are the way they are? Are you open to listening? That would be the first thing to address here because if you're sitting there hardened in your heart with your arms folded in complete refusal to truly hear anything, then and just know this is not going to be of any benefit to you. You're not going to receive any blessing from this because I don't believe you're open to really hear. But if you're truly searching for answers and you wonder, how does such a loving and perfect God allow such heartbreaking circumstances to occur? then I think I think you're going to be encouraged and, and I pray you will prayerfully hear what the Lord would have to say to you uh, through this. A second point I would say is that by no means am I saying you can't feel anguish and deep pain in life when you are faced with hard things. I'm not saying, oh, well, there's an explanation for that. Therefore, you can't grieve or have questions. That's not what this is for. Questions are a part of life. Hardship is a part of life. And these these truths that I want to talk about, they're not intended to take away your wounds or your grief, but I do pray it would be a helpful tool in your healing and in your restoration. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And another way to look at that is mourning does occur, but comfort is available. We shall mourn. That's a part of life, but we also shall be comforted as we turn to the Lord. So what is your question? Are you wondering why that earthquake happened? Is it why are children dying? Why did God let my sister die? Why am I sick? Why didn't he handle it in a different way? Why couldn't he have just changed things a little bit? And I would start off with no circumstance is isolated. No trial is out there all on its own disconnected from everything else going on in this world. Everything connects to something else. God's plan is so vast. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And it is not too far-fetched to believe that perhaps 
the death of your loved one will one day affect a great many other circumstances. Perhaps the salvation of a little boy in Africa, a life choice that would have destroyed you perhaps, or perhaps it will prevent another much greater heartache that could have taken place. If I could talk about my own circumstance for a moment. I had a sister and she died when I was 18 years old. She was just 22. And though it is not easy for me to say, I can assuredly state that I wouldn't be where I am today had she not fallen ill and passed like she did. That's not an easy statement to make. But frankly, I'm not really sure if I would still be walking with the Lord at this point. When she died, I was in a very weak place spiritually, and her death in many ways woke me up and threw me into a dependency on God that would really curb my future choices to date. I would have continued on a self-destructive, depressed state that I was already on. I would have continued to make myself throw up food just so I could look more like the things I felt like I was supposed to. I would have continued to be just full of frustration and never have taken it to God. I would not have gone to Bible school. I would not have met my husband. I would not be living in America and involved in my church here. I would not have two little boys and I would not know how God upholds the grieving and broken heart. I wouldn't know his grace to the depths that I do now because of that experience. And that is a depth that I can now share with other people because of what I've been through. So consider that. Consider that perhaps what has occurred in your life is in fact a part of a much greater plan of which you will never know the full extent until you get to heaven. Just consider that, ponder it, what you are seeing happening around you. Consider that God has a much higher plan in place. And that leads me to my next point. Why couldn't God just do it another way? Why couldn't he have just changed it ever so slightly to make it easier? Why couldn't he have created a different way to bring you to where you are or that other person or thing, whatever it is he is accomplishing in his vast plan that spans the world and all millennia? Again, if we believe God is truly God and we believe he is truly sovereign, can we then also believe that his ways are truly higher than our ways? Higher, more complex, deeper, much more intricately thought out than we could ever comprehend. Just look around you, observe creation. Look at the complexities of the food chain, the plant life cycle, photosynthesis, the cardiovascular system, the makeup of one tiny human cell. There are all these perfect chains of functionality that if one part was missing, it would disable the whole system and it would cease to create life. Could it be that such a God as we have knows better than we do And could it be that even though you have endured hardship and difficult things have come your way, that he is in fact sewing together an almighty plan for the glory of God and for his word to be spread throughout this earth? Could it be 
that through your circumstances, he knows that great treasure can come forth from your life more than it would if everything was smooth and easy? Could it be that it is only truly through difficulties that you will know him and love him? Could it be perhaps that your hardship could turn into a great comfort to another poor grieving soul? Could it be that what you have endured will be a source of ministry to someone and perhaps even an opening to salvation for a lost soul? I'm just trying to say you can't limit the Lord and you must believe that he knows better and his ways are higher and that he has a plan in the midst of what you see as darkness and grief that he truly is God and that he is over this and that his plan is much bigger. Some We truly a lot of times can only see just a small part, you know, and initially with my sister, for example, you know, just like, what is, what is the point in this? Why would you do this? Why did it have to be this way? And by the grace of God, he's brought comfort to me. And I've been able to see, even before eternity, I have been able to see fruit in that circumstance. But even without that, I know because of who the Bible says he is, I know because of who he has revealed himself to be to me, that he is good and his plan for me is good and he wants good for me and he wants good for you and for other people in this earth. If we're really honest with ourselves, I think we can see that when life is perfect and full of joy and everything is going our way that we often think of God a lot less than when things are difficult It's when life is easy that you're much more likely to drift away into the things of this world. And it's when life is is just good, it's going well, that we're more likely to be tempted um, by the God of this world. And his only aim is to destroy you in a lost eternity. That's the only aim of the devil. There's a good saying and it says, sin will always take you further than you want to go. Because that's the way of the world. That's the devil. He, he always wants to take us further because he wants to destroy your soul. But God is always working to try and keep us in his ways and out of the trappings of sin. Now, we have a free will. You know, we don't automatically go to heaven because Jesus died, because we don't have to accept what he did on the cross. You know, it isn't just that he gave his life. We have to literally take that. We have to accept it. Faith is required. Faith in what he did and who he is, which is good. We have to have faith in his goodness, faith in his blood. It was because of our free will that sin entered into the earth through mankind. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. That introduced sin into this world and all that comes with it, the destruction of this world, sickness, death, wickedness, and evil. You know, and as our minds grow and our imaginations expand, so does that evil that we're, we're capable of. Sin is just growing in this world. I know you already know that. You just look around, you can just see it more and more as the day of the Lord approaches, just how this world grows more wicked and darker. You, you know, the very earth groans and quakes under the weight of our sin. And it's our own free will, our own sin nature that corrupts this world around us. Not one of us can 
and say, oh, not me. No, no, it's not me. Not one of us is without sin. We know that. So we can see God uses the dark times in our lives. He uses the trials to bring us to him. Does that mean I'm saying that God ordained that murder? Am I saying that God specifically planned that rape? No, 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 no. My friend, God does not make man sin. In this world, there are people, there are false teachers that would smear his character by saying that he does do such things, that he is in that way sovereign in that he creates these circumstances that not one thing happens without his actually enabling it to happen without him making it happen. That is not his nature. That is not his way. It is our free will and our sin that brings wickedness into this world. It is the free will of man to sin. It is because of their lust for the things of the world and for wickedness that we see these dark and demonic acts being committed. That's why we see sickness. That's why we see famine. It's the corruption of our sin. God is not to blame for man's sin. He gave us free will. We chose it. However, in God's incredible mercy, in his unfathomable grace, he is somehow by miraculous measures able to turn what the devil meant for evil into good. You Now, this is the point where you can believe that or not. This is where you make a choice. You have to choose to either believe whether God is to blame or not. You have to either choose to believe it is the sin of the world that corrupts it and and not God. But you have to also believe that he is able to make it good. He is able to take the corruption that our sin has created in this world and he is able to turn it around and use it for his glory. He's able to heal you. He's able to strengthen you. He's able to restore you. He is more than able. He's able to take whatever trial that was, whatever circumstance that was and use it for his sovereign plan. He does have a plan. He is over the governments. He is over the different countries. He He has a sovereign plan that he is carrying out in this earth. I want to show you an example of this from the Bible, and it's in 1 Kings chapter 12. And there's a king, I won't read every verse, but if you want to go look at it, it, I'm going to look at verses 4 through 15. And there's a king after Solomon dies, it's the son of Solomon, and his name is Rehoboam. And the people complain about Solomon to Rehoboam he's the new king and they say your father made our yoke heavy now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us and we will serve you so they have this problem they're like please will you make it easier for us will you do this for us and Rehoboam he goes to two different groups of people for counsel he goes to the older men who give him good advice and then he goes to the younger men that give him foolish advice and he ends up taking the younger foolish advice and in verse 15 it says so the king did not listen to the people for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So this, it says right here, 1 Kings twelve fifteen. it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord. Now, God did not make Rehoboam make that choice. 
but he used it. He knew what was in Rehoboam's heart. He knew the character of that man. So God performed his will, but he didn't touch the will of men in the process. He didn't touch the will of Rehoboam. He didn't enter into Rehoboam and force him to do something. He just used that man for his will. He used the character of that man. He used the choices of that man to bring about his will. So that's just one example of how God can bring about his will without touching ours, but he can use what's going on in the world and he can use the people of this world to bring about his plans. He knows what he's doing. His plan is vast. But let's get back to your question. Whatever that question might be, why did God do things the way he did them? Why did that happen to you? Why did that happen to your friend? Why did that happen to those people? Ultimately, my answer specifically to you can only be, I don't know. But I do hope from this you can see the sovereignty of God and his love for you. I do hope that you can see that he is merciful, that he takes the wickedness that we through our sin bring into this world and he uses it mercifully for your good. He can turn it around. You know, life is full of questions and many of them may not be answered until eternity. But what is required from us is faith. What's required from us is faith to believe that though things are difficult, that God is still good. Let me say that again. It's faith to believe that though things are difficult, God is still good. It's faith to believe that even though things didn't work out the way you thought they should, that God knows better and he is still kind. He is still thoughtful. His ways are perfect. They are higher than our ways. Only God knows the great mercies that your difficulties truly are in your life. It may seem so hard. It may may seem so exasperating. Oh God, how could this? Surely not. How could this ever be your mercy? How could this ever be a good thing? How can you ever make this work out and be fruitful in my life, in the life of other people? What use is this trial? What was the point in this? And we could ask many questions, but we just have to remember who he is. Here's some other questions you could ask. Why didn't he just keep his son in heaven? Why did he make a way for forgiveness? Why did he give you the free choice and not force himself upon you? Why did he create a perfect world if he knew you were going to destroy it with your sin? Why did he, even when he knew that, plan to make a way of forgiveness and salvation for you? Why did he run after you when you ran from him? Why does he beckon you when you in your heart struggle and in anguish to trust him, to look up toward him? Why did he, even when he knew how much you would struggle, how much you would run, continue to chase you, continue to have that open door of forgiveness to you when you have been so wicked to his son, when you have rejected Jesus? 
Why, when you question his goodness and his sovereignty, does he still beckon you to be in a relationship with him? Why does such a sovereign and mighty God even stoop to take the time to explain himself? I can hardly answer this. I have no idea why God, the creator who made all of these things we mentioned, who created photosynthesis and the human eye and the weather chain, how did this God come and want to explain himself to me? Why would he do that to you? Those are questions we could ask. Not just why did this difficult thing happen, but why on earth would you care to talk to me about it? You who are God, you who are perfect, you who are mighty and holy and vast and could squish us like an ant or crush us like a worm. Why do you care about me? Why do you even care to explain yourself to me? But he does. He does want to talk to you. If you have questions and you're frustrated and you wonder, why? Why this? Why this way? Why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him to reveal some of his mind to you? Some of his heart? Don't be content to just observe his acts like they did in Israel. They just saw the things that he did. They only knew God because they saw the things that he did. But Moses knew his ways. Moses knew God. Moses had a relationship with him. Moses had a communion with him. They talked to one another. There was communication there. You can have that too. Let God commune with you. Let him communicate with you about what you're going through. Let him speak to you. I'm not saying he's going to tell you from A to Z everything, why it happened and every reason. But I do know he is so kind and he will talk to you. He wants to. He's your friend. He likes you. He cares for you. He wants you to be with him and know him and walk with him and fulfill his will in your life. You know, when we trust the sovereignty of God, if we truly just ponder on that for a moment, his sovereignty, what can make us afraid? We just have to realize two things. He is the epitome of love. We only know love because of God. We have only experienced love because God is that and he made it. Everything good that we know is from him. He is love. That's what the Bible tells us over and over. And he's not only love, but he is sovereign over everything. So if he is pure love and he is over every single thing that comes our way, if God is in it every day, every hour, every high moment, every low moment, if he is love and he is in everything and over everything and his ways are higher, more intricate, more beautiful, more well thought out than we could ever comprehend, then all we could do, if we really believe that, all we can do is just surrender to him. To him who knows all and wants the best for us. To him who sent his son. To him who died for us. To him who promises good. To him who gives us hope. To him who is our savior. Surrender to him. Surrender to that God. That is the God. That is the true God. That is our savior. And he wants us just to surrender to that. To know 
He understands our grief. That's why it said, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. He gets it. Life is hard. Life is grievous. Just read the Psalms. Listen to David. He had no shame pouring out his heart. He was aching. He was done. He was wasting away. His tears flowed all through the night. He started getting skinny. You could see his ribs. He talks about it in the Psalms. It was hard. But David knew all the way through those Psalms, you'll see him talk of God and his plan and his perfect ways and his perfect love. David knew his God, even though things were hard, David knew God was higher and better. And there was a perfect plan for David's life. And I want to encourage you, there is a perfect plan for your life too. Hardships are a way of life, but God in his mercy uses them to accomplish his perfect will. You are not forgotten. You are not a special case. You are not abandoned. And these plans aren't mistakes. He is sovereign. He sees you and he will have his way in your life if you just surrender to him. Surrender to the grace of God in your life. He will help you walk through it. He will help you by some miracle through these hardships. He is able to do that in you. Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.